the rise of Skywalker. So is Anakin coming back, or yeah, is Rey actually a Skywalker? No, the main theory that. is that that whatever the Jedi are, whatever order, the new order built off of the the remains will be called the Skywalkers. Oh God! Well, now, now, no negativity until you see it. Well, Chris, I just don't care. Point out that Chris Terrio. <laughs> what? What did you say, Bill? I said I just don't care. I did, but, but, I don't even know you anymore. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. Okay, Cisco. <laughs> I don't know you anymore. I say. I'm Captain Benjamin Cisco. Welcome to Deep Space Nine. Red alert! All crew members report to battle stations. Red alert! Shields up. What shields? Your Starfleet officers. Now start acting like it. Oh, it's just Garrick. Plain, simple, Garrick. Dax, we might have just discovered the first stable wormhole known to exist. The wormhole does bring them our way, doesn't it? Everyone wants a piece of the new frontier. This will shortly become a leading center of commerce and of scientific exploration. And for Starfleet, one of our most important posts. Quite a motley crew you've assembled here, Benji. Listen to the Prophets, a Deep Space Nine podcast. Here are your hosts, Andrew Leyland, Paul Spataro, and Dr. Bill Robinson. Bloody hell. Hello, and welcome to Listen to the Are we getting on with it, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Hello, and welcome to Listen to the original. Hello, and welcome to the Prophets. Because I don't think we've started yet. Hello, and welcome to the Prophets. I can keep this up all day. Hello, Hello, is it the Prophets you're looking for? Hello, 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 hello. I think he's flooded. (laughs) Yeah, I think we've looped him. I think he's got to skip now. <laughs> he's like an old, Bill. an old LP record. We have broke Bill Robinson, but See, we can rebuild him. I, I was listening to a Pink Floyd album, and I had the bass really turned up, and I was doing mm-hmm. some work for for junior college, and I'm, and, and I'm sitting there, I'm typing and stuff, and I'm like, you know what? But this song should be over by now. So I walked into where the record player was, and it was a certain spot that, it was the bass was making the album skip, and it was skipping back to a point to where it was it was a perfect skip. You couldn't hear it. It didn't. <laughs> I was like, "Wow, I okay." I knew this song wasn't this long. Anyway, it says everything. It tells you everything you need to know about Pink Floyd that you didn't notice. <laughs> it's like, should this damn song be over by now? Somebody find me the VHS copy of The Wizard of Oz, please. <laughs> or two thousand one Space Odyssey. Well, you you had me do that a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, two uh, echoes. I think it's good. All right. Uh, Hello, and welcome to Listen to the Prophets. <laughs> and that's our opener. <laughs> I'm Dave. Hi, everybody. He's Paul, what, what? That's Bill. And we got Andy, too. Hello. What what, 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 what they said? <laughs> oh, my God. What? Sorry, I didn't have my subtitles on. I got your subtitles right here, buddy. There you go. Got my subtitles on there. Got Tyree. Got Hutch. See, I'm counting our fingers, and I'm making a fist if you guys don't shut up. Yo, you're so threatening. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll come up there and, uh... Yeah, and what? You'll what? Come on, big man, what? What are you going to do? i got to remember where you live first. <laughs> He'll be wandering around New Jersey. Is Paul around here? Paul, come on, Paul. I want to hate him. Damn it, I'm in East Meadow, New Jersey. Damn it, I'm in the wrong state. So is, have we started yet? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. we're, we're well into it now. Oh, okay. So what we do is we watch Deep Space Nine and go on many, many tangents. 
You should be used to this by now. We we have this is not this is not a new you know new thing. New this is not a drill. I repeat, this is not a drill. This is a tangent alert. Tangent alert. Tangent alert. Tangent alert. A, tan- a tangerine alert. A tangent alert. Oh right, I see. Okay, so is, is it like is that like black alert instead of red alert? <laughs> That's racist. Hey, we're talking about fruit and colors, man. Why you gotta go there? It's a drive-by fruiting. <laughs> what? <laughs> you ever seen Mrs. Doubtfire? I, I I may have done a long time ago. Well, in his in his you know ultimate role. Yeah, okay, maybe not. Yeah, P- Pierce Brosnan is hitting on Robin Williams' ex-wife as Robin Williams is dressed, you know, in his Mrs. Doubtfire outfit. So he's incognito. And he's, you know, he wants to win his ex-wife back, so he's pissed off. And then, like, when when uh, Brosnan isn't looking, he hits him in the back of the head with a lime. And then, then when when Brosnan turns around, he says, "Oh, it must have been a drive-by fruiting." <laughs> Who plays the ex-wife in that? That's not Sally Field. 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 My God, really? Ugh. What? Really and truly. What's wrong with Sally well, Field? Well, no, I mean, I guess she's. Uh, it was before get, she was Anne May. If she's good enough for the bandit, she's good enough for you, Bill. No, I, no, I'm fine with that. But I guess I, I didn't realize how old <laughs> Ebop Orc. I didn't, realize, I didn't realize how old that movie was. Well, that movie's about 1992. 1993. Oh, okay, all right, all right, yeah, all right. You're old, Bill. I'm not the oldest one here. Just because my bones are about to turn into dust doesn't mean you're not old. Look, man, I turned 50 this year, and I don't want to be reminded. I got, like, a month and a half left. Or two months. Two and a half Glor- months. Of glorious youth. You can see Bill going to, like, rat parties and stuff. Trying to, to So do we have any Star Trek news? Are we, even in the, are we even in the episode yet? Yes. Yes, we've been in the episode. We've been saying, recording for, like, almost fault. an hour. It's not my fault, place. people. It's not my fault. Every- no, everybody's, everybody's turned off. It's not my yeah. fault. Was locusts. Speaking of locusts or angels, <laughs> today's episode we will be discussing is sacrifice of angels. Outmanned. We're gonna fight our way out of this. Outgunned. Here they come. And out of time. This mission is suicide. On the next Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. All right. So now, who cried? I did. Thank I you. didn't. Maybe, maybe there was one scene where somebody I, was saying no. I didn't cry. No, <laughs> I, was, you're... I was very cold. <laughs> well, so you're yeah, dead inside, Paul. Just like your oh, pretty bones. Well, before we get into the, the episode proper, yeah, I don't think we have any news. Well, we do have that there is going to be, well before this airs, a oh, yes. big screen airing of the new documentary. And that was on May 13th. And we know definitively that... Mr. Weeder is going. We know I'm trying to go, and we know that you guys are just pretty much apathetic. Well, just generally, oh. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's fair enough. Oh. It's not that we're apathetic. It's just that I don't think a screening will happen anywhere near me. And I don't think I can get to the screening in time. You have two weeks. <laughs> Start walking now. Yeah. Of course, by the time this airs, we would have already seen it. Or at least some of us. Well, I expect by the time this airs, we'll all have had an opportunity to see it, because I don't think it's going to be like, okay, we got to wait for six months for this to be available for home viewing. Yeah, are they going to put it out on DVD? Did they say? Okay, well, that's cool. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely get In it. In fact, then. I know it is. It's going from Shout Factory, I think. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, all right. So we'll, we'll catch up. Andy and I will catch up eventually, and maybe Paul. So what, what I think we should end up doing is we'll, we'll 
do the big time travel thing, and when it comes out on video around the time when this comes out, we could also do an episode talking about that. We could do a special episode, like a very special episode of, of uh, Blossom. I was just going to say yeah. Blossom. <laughs> With Joey Lawrence. J. David Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Sacrifice of Angels. This is the sixth episode of six, season six, and I can't throw any more sixes in there, which is probably a good thing. Wait a minute. This it's the Devil's episode. The Devil's episode. The Devil Gets His Due. So, was he down in Georgia again? <laughs> yes, he was. The Devil went down to England to see what he could do. Oh, no. Devil's in the house, so Andy, run. Bill. <laughs> Don't oh, we have sorry. a synopsis? <laughs> you guys are getting me off track. No, we're not. <laughs> we're getting you off track. It's <laughs> so difficult to do. Alright. Sacrifice are you of ever Angel- on track? Sacrifice of Angels was directed by Alan Croker. Croker! <laughs> Written by Iris Stephen Bear, <laughs> Hans Bimler. <laughs> <laughs> Featured music by David Bell. And this originally aired November 3rd, 1997. So... My first child would have been close to being a year old. Anything significant for you fellas? What did you say, November 3rd? Yeah, 1997. So, so my first child would have been a week shy of a month old. No. That I don't remember. Yeah, I got, I got nothing on this one. Well, it, I mean, uh, Michael would have been like a, about a year Two? old at that point, right? Two? Yeah, maybe. Mm. So I Adam, was probably, Adam was probably a year away. <laughs> It's almost like, yeah, hey, I don't know, whatever, kids. <laughs> anyway, on with the plot. On Cap- with the show, this is it. Captain Sisko aboard the Starship Defiant commands a fleet ordered to retake Deep Space Nine before the Minion destroys a minefield blocking the Bajoran wormhole. Wait, did you which say links the, the Minion? Shut up, Dave. I was trying to just kind of. The Minion. I was trying to just glom over that and not oh, really sorry, sorry about hoping that. that nobody was going to call it out. Well, too bad. <laughs> I think I said the Dominion. Which links the Alpha Quadrant to Dominion territory in the Gamma Quadrant. It's like a expressway. Cisco orders Federation, but no tolls. Cisco orders Federation fighters to attack the Cardassian warships, making up a portion of the Dominion fleet, hoping the more emotional Cardassians will pursue the ships, creating a hole in the Dominion lines. Aboard Deep Space Nine, Gold Ducat is aware of Cisco's ruse. He informs the other Dominion leaders, saying that he will allow the bulk of the Federation fleet to penetrate behind Dominion lines, then use superior numbers to surround the enemy. While the dis- go ahead, I'm sorry. No, you're good. <laughs> While the destruction of the Federation minefield, remember all those guys in those boxes just floating in space. The minefield is several weeks behind schedule. It will be ready to be destroyed in, or while it was behind schedule. What is several? What while it, the destruction it will be ready of the Federation be destroyed in only eight hours? Well, but it, that sentence says. Well, anyway, yeah. That okay, starts out at eight hours of the episode, then it slowly counts down. That's right. how time works. Right, but this sentence doesn't make time. sense. Time. Anyway, once the Dominion leaders leave, Damar, a.k.a. Goth Cardassian, Smithers, <laughs> Smithers asks Ducat's permission to detain Major Kira, Jake Sisko, and Lita. Damar believes that they're behind a sabotage attempt by Rom, who now works as a Ferengi technician. Or Ducat is it imprisoned? Gra- I, I, <laughs> yeah, well, 
Yes, I'm, he works I'm as a, at the same synopsis. I just don't understand why they didn't mention he's in in prison on death row. Yeah, Ducat grants Demar's <laughs> Attica grants Demar's request. Demar also advises Ducat to to keep his daughter Tora Zial confined to quarters for her own safety. Demar does not trust Zial because she is a close friend of Major Kira. Wouldn't we, wouldn't we all like to be? Ducat refuses to listen to Demar's advice. Cisco sends additional fighters against the Cardassian cruisers. Ducat allows some of his ships to go after them, opening a hole in the Cardassian lines. Knowing Ducat is setting a trap, I know that you know that I know, whatever. Cisco nonetheless orders his ships forward, desperate to reach Deep Space Nine. As Cisco efforts devolve into chaos, dogs and Klingons living together, Odo is confronted by the female shapeshifter who informs him that Kira has been arrested and will be executed. Ooh, burn. As Jem'Hadar warships around a defiant disruptor fire destroys them, a Klingon fleet led by Worf and Martok has arrived. They clear a path for the defiant through the rest of the al- uh, bleh, though the rest of the allies are unable to follow. Quark corners Zial, asking her to uh, help him free Jake, Kira, Rom, and Lita. The two free the group. I kind of glommed over that. Well, I'll have to discuss that. Kira organizes the sabotage of the station's weapons, and she and Rom set off for the station's core, pursued by Jem'Hadar forces. They are cornered in a cargo bay, but are rescued by Odo and Bajoran security. Odo's men cover them as they enter a maintenance shaft to sabotage the weapons. Rom sabotages the weapons. Sabotage? 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 But too late. It's been too late since we did this. Ducat orders the minefield destroyed, which is witnessed by Sisko aboard the just-arrived Defiant and sheds a tear for all those dead mimes. Sisko orders the Defiant into the wormhole, where the the crew encounters a massive Dominion fleet. As Sisko orders weapons locked on the enemy ships, he receives a vision from the Bajoran prophets, who are upset that he intends to sacrifice himself before fulfilling their purposes. He's not playing a game. I'm going to play a game with you. Cisco pleads with the aliens to help the Bajoran people who created a religion around them. The prophets cause the Dominion ships to vanish, saving Bajor, but warn Cisco that a penance will be exacted. Extracted. Exacted? Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. When Ducat sees the defiant exit the wormhole, he goes mad. Mad, I tell you. <laughs> he goes mad with rage. The defiant fires and on the rips station. the little elf's head off. <laughs> rips the little elf's lips a little rips rips Mars lungs out. Which can <laughs> the defiant fires on the station, which cannot respond due to Rom's sabotage. 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 The Dominion fleet has begun retreating to Cardassian space, and over 200 Federation and Klingon ships are approaching the station. As the Dominion evacuates, Ducat searches for Zial, who refuses to evacuate with him, admitting that she helped Kira and her friends escape. Ducat is stunned and hardly believing what he is hearing, asks, asks her if she knows what she is saying. As Zial leaves, she is shot by Dumar, Ducat's jealous lover, who heard her confession and executed her as an enemy of the state. Ducat sinks to the floor in grief and forgives her as Damar leaves the station. Cisco and company arrive on the promenade, promenade, where Cisco is reunited with Jake. Garrick learns of Sial's death. The two had grown close before the war. Ducat is in a holding cell, sobbing over the loss of his daughter. As he is escorted to the infirmary, he returns Captain Cisco's baseball. End scene. I just got to say, I was adding a lot of dialogue at points, like when um, Ducat says to Damar, get my daughter to a ship. And he's like, she won't go. And then I added at the end of that, I love you. 
I've always loved Moon. you. I always loved you. Exactly, from the Blues Brothers, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've always loved you. It's like, my God. And it was so sad. So sad in the hallway. Yeah, I, I, that, I thought this was an event, as far as they all, that didn't happen until season seven. So I was taken by surprise. I actually thought that as well. Mm-hmm. But I was not as deeply touched by it as you were. It wasn't, uh, we, it wasn't her we death. We each... We each reached over for a tissue. You wiped away some tears, and I just cut, wiped away the crumbs by the side of my mouth because I had been having a sandwich. It was when Garrick showed up, and everybody's reuniting. Worf is with Jedzia. Ben is with Jake. And he's looking around. I'm like, oh, God, what's he going to find? This is going to be terrible. Garrick was the one that got me. Oh, yeah, that was sad, too. But I was it, it was kind of sad with uh, Dukat doing the, you know, no, no. Especially the second one. It's like, oh, man. You you actually felt sorry for him in that moment compared to just like, well, this, <laughs> a, a lot of this is your own doing, dummy, but... Yeah, that's. I think that's more or less... I felt bad for her. We had she empathy. was killed, well, but I really didn't feel sorry for him as a father because I felt he's, you know, like I said, I think he's kind of set this up a little bit. In his own way, he loved her, but yeah, he's... he's in his own it. sociopathic way. Mm-hmm. You know, if he just listened to Damar, it would have been fine. <laughs> but that's not not really a joke. I mean, it was it was it was. Well, yeah, Damar ego. was telling him the truth. Yeah, yeah. he's like, yeah, he, he just wouldn't couldn't accept that his daughter, the great Gul Dukat, that you know that she wouldn't. Uh, yeah. But does does such a uh, thing call for an immediate execution? I wouldn't go that. Well, way. <laughs> um, I think she could be, she could have been detained, perhaps. Mm. And I like how the Dominion. Well, gotta go. Yep. All right, <laughs> pack it up. Let's go. I, I did. I love Thingyo though. I love Wayu's. Oh well, let's get packing. Yep. <laughs> did he? Did he say leave the baseball, take the cannolis? He did not. Sadly, founder coming through. Make a hole. Make a hole. <laughs> founder. Like, founder. Pretty much directly from the movie as well, or from the <laughs> the show as well. Yeah. I thought. I thought that the second half of this episode was much stronger than the first half. Yeah, because the first, I mean, the first half was, you know, was was pretty with all the fighting and the ships and the stuff and the band explosions and, and the death. The band and the explosions and the jello pudding pops. And the killing us, yeah, I gave, I gave Zial a little pudding pop and knocked her out for a while. Oh, sorry. Too soon? Send all hate uh, mail to Dr. Bill. Never too soon. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think the writers just didn't know what to do with Zial. And therefore, <laughs> they thought, let's get rid of her. Although the bit with Garrick was far more touching in its own way than the bit with um, Ducat when uh, he's told she loved you and he's like, I never could figure out why. And I thought that, that was quite moving. Mm-hmm. I kind of, uh, I kind of, as a character on a series, I think of her as James Bond because I think you're quite right, Zael. You're more worth more to us dead than alive because <laughs> I think she serves more of a purpose now to create that rift between uh, Garrick and Damar. Mm. Not Garrick and Damar, uh, well, both and, and, and more. Yeah, that too, actually. And and you know, you 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 get to give Garrick his second uh, moment of of a loss of somebody who he deeply cared about, which you know is not something you see often. Mm-hmm. He's he's not not exactly an openly emotional dude. No. Um, and there was a lot of really nice, funny bits in this where Demar goes to not arrest Kira and everybody, just hold them for questioning. <laughs> and uh, are you, you talking about the one with Hyde? And then he looks at Lisa's chest. You certainly certainly don't. (laughs) (laughs) That was that was very amusing. Which I 
Do you think that that they wrote that line, or did he just ad lib that? Because it almost seems like it's an it ad lib. It almost seems like an ad lib. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I couldn't tell, but it was genuinely amusing when he did that. But the whole episode was full of really good little character moments, like Kira constantly nagging poor Rom. How long's it going to be? How long it's going to be? And I wish you'd stop asking. And then later on, they, they flipped it around, which I thought was quite funny. Now, I think the key moment to, to discuss is the fact that the whole profits getting involved thing is viewed, and I don't think it's necessarily accurate, but I think it is worthy of consideration that it's viewed as a Deus Ex Machina mm-hmm. moment in the show. And and certainly when it you know when I'm watching this in my rewatch, and that came up, that's exactly the thought that crossed my mind. But then as I as I start playing it out in my mind and thinking about it a little bit more deeply, I'm thinking, well, the series had to go somewhere with the profits. It had to bring them somewhere. Otherwise, they're just there in the side the whole time. Is is there a purpose in having them there? And if there is, we need to bring them more to the forefront. So I do think it's a little bit less of a Deus Ex Machina than it's criticized for being. Did you just call it a Deus Ex Machina? It's literally yeah. a Deus Ex Machina. It's well, it, it it is. Well, except there's no Machina, but uh, but I mean, I, Deus, I think Deus you know, Ex Machina. Maybe. And I'm I'm talking about a Deus Ex Machina as a plot device, not as as literally what it is. You know, the the uh, the criticism that that solution came out of nowhere. But I do think they were building up to it, and I also think you know this was to some extent. It's unclear to me, and I think it may be my own shortcomings, but it was unclear to me if Cisco went in there immediately hoping to do this or if he was going in there to do a last stand and then when the prophets kind of presented themselves, he said, what the hell are you guys doing? Help us out here. No, I, oh, yeah. I get the impression he was going in to do a last stand. Yeah, yeah and then that's the, the impression I got. The prophets pulled him out because they don't want him to die. They need him. He's the emissary. And he's like, well, that's the impression I got also. But, but the way it's written up in the companion, it sounds like he was manipulating them that he did it intentionally. And I really didn't see that. No, I didn't. I I got it as he sees that they've done this to him, and then he, realising what's happened, he talks them into helping them. I didn't see him as really manipulating them. He kirks them. Yeah, basically. And if you I want agree, me to play the game, I agree entirely play. with Paul in the sense that when I was watching, I was like, that's how they're going to end it. But then you realise that, well, it isn't out of nowhere because these these characters the wormhole aliens whatever you want to call them have been a part of the show since the pilot mm-hmm. so to actually bring them back now isn't a deus ex machina because they're building on what they've set up four or five years beforehand so whilst i did think it was a very convenient way to end the story i don't agree with the criticism that it's it comes out of nowhere and it's a cop-out yeah that's i i think you're saying what I was saying only better. Yeah. Well, uh, and it and it further will affect Cisco's um what's going to happen to him. His his storyline cuz the you know they're they're not going to do this for free. There's going to be a cost. Mm. You won't find peace on Bajor. Yeah, because the whole the interesting thing about this whole episode is that the Ducat he, he's been lording it over everybody since he's arrived on Deep Space 9, but ultimately the the value of Deep Space 9 to the founders and to Wayun is pretty insignificant, really. He needs them a lot more than his ego will allow him to admit. So the minute that it looks like they're going to lose Deep Space Nine, they don't really care. 
they've got other fish to fry. They're, they're mm-hmm. doing other things. But for Ducat, this was his last stand to prove that he was absolutely right in what he was doing. And to suddenly have it all just turn around in the space of seconds was really affecting. And there is a school of thought that says Ducat should never have been in the show again after this. They should have left him as a gibbering wreck at the end of this episode because everything that happens to him after this kind of dilutes him as a character. And I don't remember. I don't remember where he goes from this point. So I'm going to be watching out for that. But I don't I don't know whether I agree with that or disagree with it yet. Uh, I mean, I half remember what happens. And I don't think... I don't really see that this dilutes him as a character. I think... Well, but I guess we'll wait till we get to that. Yeah, we'll wait and see. Yeah. But... Uh, I had a thought and it's gone. So, <laughs> I, I like Quark being forced to kill somebody. Oh, yeah. Mm. It was a lovely moment because, again, Quark's not a warrior. So the fact that after killing them, he just freezes and he doesn't know what the <laughs> hell to do was really effective. Because, you know, we handle killing and death pretty straightforward in shows like this because, by and large, the characters that we're following are all soldiers. So to mm. put Quark in that position was really interesting. Nobody move. Open the gate. Open the cell. You just told them, you not, just to told them not to move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this, this is kind of the finale of the last six episodes, and I realize that the the beginning of this season up to this point feels like the middle movie of a really cool trilogy. Like, this is where we actually move the ball way down the field for six episodes. And I, th- I thought, yeah, I, I thought if this was the last we saw of Goldacott, I would be okay with that. I don't feel he gets diluted after this, but I, I think this would have been a, a fitting ending for him. Mm. See, as a, as a viewer or as a reader, you know, whatever entertainment I'm taking in, when there's a character I like or a storyline I like, I am, I'm a tool of management, really, because I always want more. So I'm, you know, I'm, they can use me with sequels and things like that. So I would have been saddened if Goldacott did not appear further after this even though this would have been a fitting end to his character for the story arc. Yeah, I mean, it was just, he cared about, I mean, he pretended to care about the Bajoran, saying they're like his children, but when one, oh, of, his, his, one of his, his real hu- children, yeah, his, his hubris is what brings him down. And yeah, his whole... He loses his own child as a, as a not, Pyrrhic victory, a Pyrrhic defeat, I guess. There's not one statue of me on Bajor, and the things I did for them during the occupation, I thought, it's like, really, dude? <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's hard to you like Ducat. You're already hard. delusional. Yeah, you miss him when he's gone. Yeah. Well, you miss him the same way uh, you know you miss you know any evil character that you enjoy watching. It's not not that you you know you don't miss him like oh he's such a a joy <laughs> you know mm. he, he is and and it's it's an interesting thing you know to develop his character further though because up until this point he has been you know nothing but a sociopath and that's kind of you know he still is but they're showing a little bit more depth because he did care about Zial in his own way and that's what you know drives him to madness mm-hmm. so you know I like that aspect of it um, I what'd you think of the uh, you know the, the special effects and everything with the battle uh, the, the battle sequence was really good it was one of the best battle sequences that they've done on television at this point, and you, it's because they've started to move to CG, which gives them more flexibility on moving the ships, and obviously it's cheaper than model work. Um, I wasn't overly fond of the bit where Kira and Rom uh, are fighting off the Jem'Hadar. There seemed to be an awful lot of convenient piles of nothing for them to hide behind. It's a cargo hold. Cargo's backing up because trade's been kind of shut down, so things are piling up in a cargo hold. That's perfectly explainable. 
And that is all that cargo non-explosive? Yeah, it's all self-sealing stem bolts. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> it seems to me that those phases don't cut through anything that is in that cargo Except hole. people. But it'll drive a hole right through Zial's chest later on. Uh, I did like Odo showing up to the rescue, which was very, you know, Mighty Mouse in its own way, <laughs> as was as was the Klingons showing up to, sh- to the rescue at the bit. And I did like that Dominion was the only ship that made it through, although I still think it would have been nice to at least see Enterprise there, even though we didn't see the crew. Although that would have uh, really annexed a problem I have with the next episode about Wolf Stag Party, but we'll get to that when we get to it. <laughs> Yes, we will. Mm. Odo switching sides is not at all surprising, but played incredibly well, particularly René Aubergeonois and Nana Visitor, who deliver some some excellent work throughout most of it. And I do like that the founder woman is very, uh, I've got time, he'll come back to us. they got long plans. Yeah, that's, yeah, well, that's the time. It. The founders and Weyoun and all of that lot, they're playing the long game, and Ducat wasn't. Yeah. I love watching Wayun. He's just—he's so fun when he shows up. You, you can't be mad at him the way you are Golda Cat. No, oh, I love Wayun. I think Wayun is absolutely fantastic in this this entire six-part story. I mean, I know he's not been in all six of them, but he is—he's—he's uh, Jeffrey Coombs is just brilliant in this part. I think he's better in this than he is as Brunt. Yeah, oh, he, well, he is. This is definitely a better character for him, but he's still kind of fun no matter which part he's playing. So, I mean, Brunt is Brunt is a more two-dimensional character, I guess, because he mm-hmm. hasn't had as much screen time as where you and he gets to develop a little bit more. And, and as he's, we've seen him more and more, it's it's just been fun. That's you really play, all it comes down to. The play between Wayun and Ducat when he's like, you see it, don't you? And Wayun's like, um, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and they go back, well, you exp- why don't you... You explained it much more eloquently, so go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I got no idea what's going on. Mm. One subtle touch, I thought, I don't know if Mark Alamo brought this to the part, he carries the baseball with him oh, yeah, throughout the entire episode. Awesome. Yeah, and as things start going wrong, he starts slamming it into the palm of his other hand. Mm-hmm. At the beginning, he's just kind of toying with it, like, I've got Cisco's baseball, you're not coming back, fuck you. But once everything starts going wrong, the way he treats that ball is playing with his emotions and what he's going through. And like I said, I don't know if that was scripted or if that was him, but that was a really nice subtle touch to show that he's losing it as the episode goes along. Yeah, and he's actually, I noticed that too, because he's actually talking like, we got nothing to worry about, and he's slamming it back and forth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if that was a, a Mark Alemo, well played, sir. Yeah, if I that was a, an addition by the actor, then yeah, that was an excellent way of, of showing us that he's, he's mentally unraveling throughout the episode. I love Chief O'Brien throughout this entire six party, just his deadpan, uh, us versus millions of, uh, of Jempadar ships. Yeah, that's what could go wrong. And then they start quoting, um, Charge of the Light Brigade. I know, and it's Garrick who says, How does that end? You don't want to know. <laughs> Volley, volley! So the fleet had disappeared. I think I brought this discussion up, or I mentioned it a while ago that I was asking, hey, there's a... I I said in a private message to somebody saying, hey, there's a fleet that disappears. Does anybody remember when that's happened? And then, lo and behold, a few weeks later, poof, this is where it happens. Because while I was playing Star Trek Online, this Dominion fleet, 34 years later, comes out of the wormhole. The same fleet that disappears here. And they take over Deep Space Nine, and it's a plot point in in the game that I haven't completely resolved yet. Um, supposedly, I have to go get Wayun some berries or something, and go mm-hmm. take him here and do that and do this, <laughs> and and then he's going to help me get them c- convince the fleet that that took over Deep Space Nine to leave. So, 
but also I guess there was that there's that resolution and there was also a resolution that in one of the books unity about the fleet comes and attacks uh, uh, well we won't really it's not really spoiler I guess there's a uh, parasit. Uh, they attack a uh, some some par- some parasitic beings. Remember the ones from the uh, the next generation? Those things kind of come back. I think Which we've ones? talked about you that. Got to be more specific. The ones that were kind of true like the ones that had the little blowholes in the back of the neck. That you know would uh, the the one where Riker almost ate the worms or whatever when he you know it was in like the first season I think. <laughs> the, the very end of the first season. Yeah, 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 the very end. It was all yeah that that one. So. Yeah, it says, uh, Star Trek Online, the Missing Dominion Fleet plays a critical role in the featured series, huh? In the featured episode series, the 2800, I don't remember what the name was. So, so, yep, I still haven't kicked them off of the, off of the station yet. Although I have drank in Quark's bar, so that's always fun. Sit next to Morn? Yeah, and Garrick's basically the ambassador, the Cardassian representative in the quadrant, at least in the game. Not quite sure where he is in the um, in canon. So I mean, for such a great you mean yeah, exactly. Uh, For such a great, I mean, a good episode. We don't really have a lot to talk about because I guess it was just so good. There was yeah, it's it's mainly the character motivations that the interesting thing about this one. How they actually wrap up the Dominion War is is a bit disappointing, really. But it's all in where the characters are at and positioning them for where they're going to go in the future. So the prophets are clearly going to take a more active role in Cisco's life. Mm-hmm. You've got Guldacat has now completely cracked up, which what does that mean for the Cardassians? And what does the fact that the the founders have pulled out and the Jem'Hadar have pulled out mean for the Cardassians? Does this mean that Bejor is now in a, a, a position to be able to overrun Cardassia? Well, so I wouldn't go that far. No, I wouldn't go that far either. But as this episode ends, there's yeah. loads of different places that they could go with it. And I think it's the characterization of them all, and it's the characters that you really care about at this point. And are Kira and Odo going to patch up their differences? What's going to happen with Worf and, and Jadzia's wedding? All of that stuff is left at the end of it. But it's 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 all the character stuff that I think is going to propel forward from this point, because I don't remember a lot of season six and seven. So yeah, I'm the, watching... The, yeah. the Dominion War, though, isn't over. It's no, just, no, that, that carries on for the rest of the series. Yeah, mm-hmm. they've been delivered a blow because they haven't been able to bring across their uh, reinforcements and I guess they can't try again because they figure the same thing's going to happen as what already did happen Uh, so now now the battle is pretty much set that the Dominion forces that are there now are what there's going to be and they still unless I'm mistaken they still do outnumber the Federation forces so it's it's a victory for the Federation, but it's not a complete victory yet. Yeah, it's a battle won, not the war. Exactly. It's like, if, it's like if they blow up the Death Star and start celebrating a little too early. The Empire's still out there. And, and it might strike back. The Dominion strikes back. That should be season seven. Yub nub. Oh, That's what the Bajorans were singing. They were. Yub yub. And they're pulling down statues of Goldacap, just not on Bajor. <laughs> Bajor, sorry, not Bajor. What? Sabotage? Bajor. Sure, sabotage. Krypton. Love Krypton. And we got a little bit, not, not, not full-blown hyperventilation. I don't know if we'll ever really get hyperventilating Cisco again, but he gets close when he's ta- talking, you know. I think bit yet. Uh, I think there'll you, be more. You, you say you don't want me to sacrifice my, well, fine, neither do I. You want to be gods, then be gods. I need a miracle. Major needs a miracle. Stop those ships. 
All I need is a miracle. All I need... No, no. I won't let you bait me into singing again. <laughs> it's too, too late. late. Baby, now it's too late. Though you really did try to make it. <laughs> anyway, uh, what else we got? Mm, is it be- Is it this episode? Yeah, it's this episode with now, um, I guess, Martok owes Cisco a barrel of blood wine. <laughs> we'll drink it together. Yeah. I had a, a ping of sadness, a little ping of sad, not ping, wow, a ping of sadness as we got to the end of this episode, because I realized at this point we're all going to go back to, as Andy would say, say it with me, the status quo. <laughs> and we've had six episodes, seven really, where everything is just spread out thin, our characters are on all kinds of different journeys, it's something we hadn't seen before in Star Trek, and now we're just kind of going back to the same old, same old. Mm-hmm. But it's never same old, same old on this show. Even though there is a status quo. Well, we think it's going to go back to the status quo, but... Yeah. I think this show brings us to place... Yeah, I don't want to say where No Man Has Gone before, cause it's, but they, they bring us places that Star Trek hasn't brought us before. So, you know, I don't, I don't think status quo on Deep Space Nine is the same as status quo on other Star Trek series, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I think they've, they've changed it enough that they can do a couple of episodes now that are standalone episodes... But they've changed enough of it going forward. They've changed a lot of the dynamics of the characters, for a start. Jake is never going to go back to being the naive kid that he was before this. Uh, Quark and Rom have found sides of themselves that they've never seen before. So all all the characters have changed, which is... Kira and Odo have found a new, uh, a new level for their relationship, or they're finding a new level for their relationship. Yeah, so the status quo implies that everything goes back to normal. Whereas, really, the only thing that's gone back to normal is they're all back on Deep Space Nine. But character-wise, everything's changed. Yeah, but I think I was excited by Worf being on the ship with Martok. You have Jadzia hmm. taking you know, command of the, of the uh, Defiant. Um, Which have... we did not see enough of. No, exactly. That's what I'm, yeah. So I was disappointed that we didn't see some progression on that front, and we brought them all home. So they're still back in the in the fishbowl. <laughs> the Cardassian fishbowl. I mean, yeah. Well, yeah. I guess it is a Cardassian fishbowl. And that's not hmm. to say that you know this, what comes next is is not good. That's not what I'm saying. But it was just sort of a okay. We're we're going to go back and do the same things we've kind of done before. But we have future knowledge, so we think it's going to go okay. Well, yeah. They they had this nice little run. Now we're back to a, a Trek series that's going to be you know we didn't know they had but bigger plans. Hmm. Yes, and and getting rid of Zyl affects Garrick. Now, whether or not they'll play up on that more as we go along, I don't know. I suspect at some point we have to have a Garrick Ducat confrontation. I just I worry that the next episode after this is going to be some lighthearted sitcommy sort of thing. Oh, oh, don't be <sighs> silly. They, they wouldn't do a bad sitcom after these great six episodes, would they? Let's hope with, not. With let's bad dancing, yeah. Let's hope not. I gotta learn that dance, but we'll discuss that next time. So, are we gonna rate it? Yep. Uh, I don't know if I want to give it a five because it's it's almost there, but I mean it's really strong in the second half for me. If it helps you frame your reference, this was the number voted number nine best episode of DS Nine. I guess I'll give it. Yeah, I'll I'll give it five five no's. No, no. Oh, no, okay, got no, it. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't get that right away either, I have yeah. to say. <laughs> yeah, I just think this was good pretty much all around. And I, you know, the only criticism that I'm aware of is the Deus Ex Machina thing, which we've discussed and kind of dismissed. So uh, I don't really have any 
Any anything to criticize in this episode? So I'm going with a five as well. Uh, I'm going to go with a four and a half. Mm. I'm going to I'm going to knock mm. half a mark mm. off because that ending is remarkably convenient. I know we've argued for it. I know we've argued that it's not a classic Deus Ex Machina. I know we've said that they've set it up. It still feels a bit convenient. But in every other respect, this has been a great six-part show. So I'm going four and a half. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe you need to give it back that half point as the wrap-up to a massive arc. Oh, all right. Then give it five. Ah, no, 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 no. <laughs> if that makes your maths easier. You rate it the way you want, no matter how I, I, I'm going four, by four and a half. I'm sorry. I do find that ending a little bit convenient. You know but what? in every no, other respect, it's great. No wonder you guys can't figure out Brexit. You can't even figure out what to rate this, this episode. I figured out what to rate this episode. <laughs> yeah. Some guy came along and started talking and over me. And convinced you. You do what you want. Some guy quick came along and talked fancy to me. And then another guy... I'm also going to rate it 4.5. I totally figured out Brexit. I can sort that out tomorrow. I'm also going to rate this 4.5, so maybe I can't figure out Brexit either. Um, (laughs) But I I agree with Andy that that we we decided it's not a deus ex machina, but somehow the intensity of everything happening is the minefield goes off, they're going into the wormhole, everything is screwed, and it gets undermined by the whole... But by the, the, un- the, the underminer, yeah, John Ratzenberger was there. Um, it just felt like <laughs> it, the pacing and everything that led up to that was like, oh, okay, fizzle, done. Now the emotional resonance is why I stick with four point five and not four or three point five. Oh, stop! What? Three point five, please. I, I wouldn't give this. A Get 3.5. off my podcast. I wouldn't give this oh. a three point five at the lowest. If I if I was being very critical, I'd give it a four. But four point five is about right. That's in no way, shape, or form a bad thing. It yes, just. It is. It's did terrible. not didn't quite stick the landing. It's horrible. It didn't Mary Lou Retton this. Make me sick. Oh, <laughs> did I say that out loud? Jeez. <laughs> well, that's what we say. And uh, actually, I, I have uh, I, I lost it now, so I have to find it again. Hang on. I've got it. I've got my quote. My quote was. Oh, quote. Oh, I thought we were doing uh, Blaine. Oh. Yeah. I'm going to do Blaine in a moment. Uh, where did I lose? Where's my quote? Oh yeah, here it is. But by Guldicat, a true victory is to make your enemies see that you that they were wrong to oppose you in the first place, to force them to acknowledge your greatness. That's my quote of the episode. Well, yeah, but you didn't finish. But th- but then there's the rest. Then you kill them only, only if, if it's necessary. necessary. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Wayun and his. Let's get packing because he's perfectly content. <laughs> like we, well, here they come. We gotta go. So Blaine says. Uh, man, you, you threw me off because I don't have a song. Uh, hmm, let's see. Somebody I'm throw a song read, out there. I'm reading from W. Blaine. Don't know when he'll write in again. Really? Probably next time, yeah. <laughs> we, we only have an email for every single episode to the end of the show. So. You're, ruining, you're ruining the magic. Blaine, Blaine says, hi, guys. So is it still deus ex machina if the gods are wormhole aliens? It would feel like an upsetting cop-out ending if Cisco didn't have to fight so hard to convince them to intervene, though. Generally speaking, this was a very satisfying end to this arc. We've got what is possibly Trek's most elaborate space battle. More enjoyably, we get Quark's actions to really get involved for the first time ever. I love how Shimmerman plays it, almost as though Quark can't quite believe he's doing what he knows he's doing, even as he does it. Odo is somewhat redeemed and right on time. Ducat's breakdown over Zial and his military loss is entirely believable and very well played. 
Also, remember way back in the middle of season four when DeMar was first introduced and the writers promised actor Casey Biggs that his character would be very important down the road? Guess what is starting to pay off a year and a half later? DS9 didn't have this the level of planning that Babylon 5 had, and really, what does? But I defy anyone to claim they were making it up as they went along to the same degree as they did on other Trek series. The last six episodes alone should put that rumor to rest. I don't want to stretch this email out too much longer, but there's still so much to talk about. Rom is working for Nog now. Ducat's preoccupation with Cisco is beautifully represented metaphorically through the baseball. Ben left behind, played with just the right amount of subtlety to remind the viewers he has it without overdoing it. Really, kudos to the credited writers and the rest of the writers' room for putting this string of episodes together. Deep Space Nine may not have been totally popular in its original broadcast, but I'll be damned if it isn't building an audience in the days of binge viewing. Blaine. It's not wrong. I mean, I've noticed a lot of people flocking back to DS9 and realizing how good it really was. That's good. That's thanks to us. Yeah. <laughs> I'm taking full credit for it. Yeah. I'm surprised we didn't get an invitation to the, you know, the uh, red carpet opening of the uh, new show. Yeah, I think it I think it's very upsetting that we didn't. Well, you I had my cups all pressed. You you oh, 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 Dave got invited. Yeah. My sense of entitlement is so large. I think we should have been invited. <laughs> So you, you're, you're right in line with today's society, then? Yep, totally. <laughs> Did the people who do Trek Corps get invited? I don't know. Wait, what's the name of the show? Is that, is that the show that I'm thinking of? They all, all the Trek podcasts look the same, except ours. Yeah, we're, we're the best one. I was going to wear my Diet Mountain Dew tux. <laughs> it's literally made from wrappers from Diet Mountain Dew 2 liters. <laughs> Sewed together. Mm. Mm. Oh, actually, you could probably just melt them together. Well, then, yeah, I guess you could. I mean, not a lot of, a lot of heat, just enough, just enough. Make them stick. Oh. What? You don't want them sticking to you, though. You have to take it off at no, the end of the no, night. No, 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 no. Not melt it on me. Just like, you know, <laughs> like maybe like an iron on low heat. Just So you're not on about doing Willem Dafoe and Madonna then in, in that film. Ew. Body of evidence. No. Ew. Mm. So I've been uh, kind of jotting little things down on the Uh-oh. side here. Well, just times and everything, and then I, I put Damar was right, and Zayel had it coming. <laughs> oh yeah, I think, we, I think, I think we can all agree with that. Well, now they don't have to find another actress. We're done. Maybe that's yes, why they killed done. her off. Like we're tired of recasting this. This Melody Smith chick wants to move on. Just kill it. Kill, kill, kill her off. What's my motivation? You die this episode. What? <laughs> so, do we have any emails? No. Ah, uh, no, actually, um, no one loves us. We won't have any new emails until uh, two episodes for Resurrection. Oh, boy. Resurrection of the Daleks. That's a different no, episode. No. Resurrection of Wood. Excuse me? What? <laughs> you heard me. Is this like the rise of the Skywalker, but you call your penis the Skywalker? No, I'm talking Ew. about a block of wood. We're going to see the return of a block of wood, but that's two episodes uh-huh. down the line. Oh, okay. oh, okay. What are we doing next time? Next time on an all-new episode of Listen to the Prophets, you are cordially invited to the wharf of... The wharf? The wharf of Jadzia and Wedding. The <laughs> wedding of Jadzia and Wharf. Bloodletting. The pain will last for only a moment. Torture. Stoke the fire again! Sacrifice. There are six trials we must face. Agony. I'm gonna kill the wolf. It's just your typical Klingon wedding. The party's just getting started! But Worf and Dax are not your typical bride and groom. 
you're invited to the biggest event of the 24th century on the next Star Trek Deep Space Nine. It will be an exceptionally fun time. There will be no comedy shenanigans and it will not follow every single wedding episode cliche of every television episode ever. Honest. Oh, and I can wear my uh, Mountain Dew tux. There you go. You can you can totally wear your Mountain Dew tux. But in the Klingon tradition, I... they would actually melt it to you. Oh my god. <laughs> or actually, or I could get a Samoan guy to melt it to me. Uh the problem is, I I thought it was Will Riker and uh, Troy's wedding, so I dressed for that. Oh, yeah. that wasn't a sweater you were wearing. That was okay. It's <laughs> not a sweater. <laughs> See you next time, everybody. Bye. Bye. Especially since the sweater goes down to his butt. You listen to the prophets at Deep Space Nine podcast is a two true freaks presentation. It is hosted by Andrew Leyland and Paul Spataro. The music and sound clips used in the show are copyright CBS and Paramount Entertainment. If you'd like to buy stuff from Amazon, and who doesn't, why not drop by the twotruefreaks.com website, where if you click the little link that we have there, it will take you straight through that site, and whilst it won't cost you any extra, we'll put a few shekels in our tip jar, which helps create content like this. We very much hope you enjoyed listening to The Prophets. Every episode is dedicated to the memory of our pal, Sean Engel. Are you watching Jeopardy this week? I hadn't watched it this week, but I DVR Jeopardy. I watch it all. You know, when I have some downtime, I watch it. Oh, okay. Well, then I won't spoil anything. <laughs> it's a game show. I know. Somebody wins, somebody loses. I, well, I know there's a, there's a guy who's won a lot of games in a row. He's I, a gambler. He's a Las Vegas gambler. That's what his job title is. Does Every he know when to he... hold him? Know when to <laughs> fold him? I was gonna know make... when to walk yeah. away? No when well, to Well, he just he he even like when he gets the daily double, he, he does like the push thing with chips. He goes all in, and then oh god, he's you know six days. He's up to uh, like four hundred twenty thousand dollars. He won eighty nine thousand dollars last night. Well, as I understand, it, he's he's a rambler, he's a gambler, and he's a long way from home. Mm-hmm. And if you don't like him, then leave him alone. Oh, I'm sorry. No when the walk away. No I'm Kenny Rogers. Rogers. No one wins the Kenny Rogers Dairy Challenge. <laughs> <laughs>